Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we make you better at doing hard things. Today, I am chatting with a young guy called Colin Dinglestad. Colin is a young guy from the Netherlands. We initially got in contact via LinkedIn and decided it'd be cool to record a podcast together. Just a quick heads up, there are parts of this that are a little bit quiet, so you will need to listen in closely, but it's well worthwhile. So Colin started studying psychology, philosophy, and personal development at the age of 14, and he's still a pretty young guy, but he's got some pretty interesting goals that he wants to achieve, pushing him outside of his comfort zone. But he also helps other people to step outside of their comfort zones and to put it in his words, to help people transform into their perfect selves. So it's a fascinating conversation about self-optimization, about mindset, about habits and about behaviors. And I really, really hope that you enjoy getting uncomfortable with Colin and I today. Colin Dinglestad, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast. Thank you so much for uh, sharing some time with me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We had some technical issues last week. It was probably the New Zealand internet, but neither of us could really hear each other. So it's good that we uh, can jump back down and, and have a conversation now. So Colin, I always like to start off with a little bit of background about people. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Were there any formative experiences when you were younger that have have sort of shaped you on this path that you're on start easy and then get harder well that's also a really broad question but mm-hmm. i think uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. where are you from first up i'm from the netherlands um we're right bottom corner but <laughs> when most people hear about the netherlands they only think about uh, weed or windmills uh, <laughs> whatever but yeah from the netherlands right bottom corner little village grew up doing lot of sports and always had a drive to be at least to be the best but at least in the top percentage of people who was doing what they were doing Mm, and what do you think gave you that drive to be the best when you were younger i think my dad and grandpa and i think most of my trainers because i had some talent in the beginning so i got into some in best teams and those trainers that we had is mainly soccer they were really going after it so when we came in, everybody had to be together and then they were actually going to give pep talk every single week before a game, before a training. And these pep talks looked <laughs> like, like we were going to war, like really extreme. And yeah, I think it's mostly my trainers that installed those beliefs in me. Like we are going to win, you are capable of so much more. You will get this guy. Um, your opponent will be nothing compared to you. You will <laughs> crush him. I think those beliefs formed most of my mindset about winning. And I think it was pretty valuable to get that mindset at such a young age. Mm. How old were you at the time? Do you remember? I think I started when I was seven years old. Okay. Between six and eight. Yeah. So you had, had the training for, do you call it soccer in the Netherlands or football? Football. But football. football. All right. That's yeah. okay. Most people, apart from the listeners in the States, will understand that football is soccer. So you had these trainers in football when you were younger that kind of really pushed you and tried to get you closer to your potential. Did you find that that carried over into other areas of your life when you were younger as well? For example, did that carry over into your schooling and and your other hobbies? 
think that it only carried over to sports because I did some swimming before and I've also played table tennis at a pretty high level, very brief period of time. But I always wanted to be the best and because I had talent, I think it's just because I had a really active upbringing, uh, even before the age of six, or really active, an active upbringing. My parents, uh, grandparents always had to be to the woods or play games with me or did some sports with me or whatever. But it only carried over to sports. I didn't care too much about school. I managed it. I was pretty better than most, but I wasn't really going after it. Okay. So it's kind of, um, you, you could get by on, on your ability that you didn't kind of look to, to grow in that area or push yourself as much when you compared it to sports? I think that's the case, mostly because maybe there was not enough challenge or my friends uh, were maybe um, a bit less smart than me or wanted to put less time in it. So I maybe adapted to their level a bit. So I didn't go at it at the best of my ability, but I managed to find a good better grades than most. Mm, okay. Colin, I mean, that mindset that you, you developed at a young age, where, where did that take you where or where is that taking you it's taking me to eventually do sports education that was focused on the outer field so we actually could do an education it's we have three different levels but it's similar to university but then a bit lower and you could actually do an education that's based around sports and i went into a particular field of outdoor so everything with climbing rafting kayaking all those extreme sports and then you could become an instructor and then you could become a coordinator. So that brought me to eventually working in Italy for a brief period of time, a couple of months and pretty much had my own location, <laughs> got a small team around me and just managed everything from the 30 to 80 people that came in every week and managed activities for them. And that eventually led me to go to Nepal. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Nepal It's between China and India. And that eventually led into me being a coach. Mm. What were you doing in Nepal? I always wanted to travel somewhere. Like when I'm finished with school, I want to see something from the world or at least be free or have different experiences than other people. Because I had a feeling that if I was going to wait until I'm 28 or 30 years old i was never going to do it mm, i've been to nepal as well and it's a, it's an amazing amazing country i think i went there when i was either 31 or 32 mate so you've still got a bit of time it's just such a beautiful place in terms of some of the scenery but also the people as well are just they're amazing that there's a lot of poverty but everyone is so friendly and so happy to to see you all the people that I, I met anyway were probably the ones that weren't happy to see me, weren't coming out to say hi. I didn't experience that all the way. Because when you are in Kathmandu, like the capital, it's very different. It's pretty polluted and everybody wants to sell you something. But yeah, again, all the people in small shops that are, that are away from the busy streets, those people are really, really nice. I really care about you. You transitioned from, after Nepal, you said you got into coaching. What took you into the coaching arena? I always had a background with sports and leadership. But when I was in Italy and I finished my education, I worked for this company and I worked pretty grueling hours. Like I was pretty much the guy in charge with only my education as an experience. So I worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week with very little guidance. I knew that if this was going to be the rest of my life, <laughs> that it wouldn't fulfill me. So I learned so much in such a brief period of time. But meanwhile, we were, we were at a pretty luxurious campsite. And the people that came in, 
quite a few of them had some money. So some influencers, some business owners, and they all told me the same thing. If you can just start a business or do something for yourself and put the same amount of effort into starting your own business, for example, then that will work. And then you can do all these things with your friends, family, but on your own terms, and you don't have to work 12 plus hours every single day. And in the next 10, 20 years, when it succeeds, you will be in a much better place than if you continue this path. So I eventually, after Nepal, I decided to also in Nepal, already trying to start some businesses. <laughs> they all pretty much failed, but I kept learning, kept improving. And eventually I was like, let's just see if I can start a coaching business. Because when I was about 14 years old, I'm not sure what switched, but I was starting to read all. I started to read all about psychology, philosophy, personal development, and but I never really did anything with it. So going forward, I eventually was like, let's just see if I can, if I'm able to bring my, what works for me, my mindset onto other people. And so I just started coaching and my first, well, potential client uh, was a woman uh, <laughs> about 35 years old, single, living in, she used to live in the UK. Now she lives somewhere in Portugal and she was pretty messed up. Like family had given up on her, friends had given up on her, even a therapist had given up on her. And they were all saying, you should just remain the same. There's not too much to improve. And pretty much like she guilt tripped me into working with her because I was like, if everybody has given up on you, and let's see if I can help you. And the opposite actually happened to what everybody else told, uh, told her. She simply got better and better every single week until she eventually did a 10-day meditation retreat and afterwards decided to just travel the world. And because I saw the change in confidence in, in the way she approached life, in the way she talked to herself, in the way she dealt with trauma, I was like, this is something that I want to keep doing. So I kept improving with some pretty high-level coaches that were celebrities and everything and just decided to let's just stick with this because this gives me so much enjoyment so much satisfaction and i feel like i'm really making a difference awesome man and it's it's really cool to be able to to sit down and and help people um overcome some of their big challenges what do you think switched for that that lady that you brought that no one else had been able to unlock with her that I believed more in her than that she herself did. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. And I think going on from that point, and to be honest, I've, I've had a little bit of a day like that today myself, is that I've been lacking in, in self-belief. And it's, it has been one of those days where things haven't quite gone right. And then those negative voices start off in your head. And you just start beating yourself up a little bit. And thankfully for me, those days are pretty few and far between and I know what to do when I, when one of them happens, but I can only imagine what it's like for someone who is stuck in that spiral of having those voices day after day after day. And it really, I think feels like that they're alone and that the world is, is against them. And obviously they don't believe in themselves, but they kind of think, why would anyone else believe in me? And in case anyone who was listening is wondering how I got myself out of this place, basically I just went for a run as fast as I could for about four Ks because I knew I had to talk to Colin tonight and <laughs> I wanted to be asking slightly reasonable questions uh, with a little bit of energy at least. So often for me, 
switching those voices off is just a burst of, of intensive physical activity. But in a roundabout way, coming back to just saying that having someone else there to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself is is really massive for a lot of people because you can almost become the confidence for that person until they start to build their own confidence. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Little troll that my cat's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously this is audio, but Colin is just getting climbed over by a whole lot of cats at the moment. So he was smiling and nodding as I, as I rambled on there. Mate, once she had started to build a little bit of self-belief, what sort of stuff did you get her working on at that point? So the entire process didn't take too long. I think before she did the meditation retreat, it was six weeks. And that was three weeks after, and then she left, and she's now somewhere, somewhere else. But yeah, basically, basically what we did, and at the moment, I didn't really, I couldn't explain what I was doing. I was just going on, felt right, or what I thought was the best way. But in a nutshell, what I did is we first looked at the past, like everything that shaped her, all the patterns, habits, beliefs, everything, and we just came to the realization that she was just living on repeat, doing the same things over and over again. So we fixed most of those issues working towards them but she also had some major trauma from abusive relationships and people not treating her right mostly because also the way she approached life so we released a lot of the trauma that she had and eventually started working on actually making an exciting future which eventually turned out to be for her to travel the world and being like a nomad and then lastly we just focused on living in the present moment moment while yeah, well, while she dealt with the past and while she can wake up looking forward to a really exciting future because she's working towards it. I think that's, that's what we did. Mm, awesome, man. And one of the important points that you make there and like all of that stuff is important, but that it starts to, it, it begins with a bit of self-awareness and just kind of starting to, to understand yourself, your situation and where you're coming from and where you want to go as well as that it's so often in life that we're just kind of, we're drifting along without really starting to ask ourselves questions about who am I? Where have I come from? What do I enjoy? How is all that impacting on what I'm doing? And if it's not impacting on what I'm doing, how do I make it impact on what I'm doing? Totally agree. <laughs> Powerful words. Colin, one thing that fascinates me about you is um, you've got a little bit of a list of things that you want to achieve by the time you're 35. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Can you tell me about that list? How did that come into being? That's a good one. It came into being when I was working with a client and I was challenging her to set audacious goals. And then I was like, why haven't I set audacious goals in my own fitness levels? So after the session, I created a list for health goals, fitness goals, like <laughs> every part of life uh, goals, but really audacious goals. that would be like excited if I could achieve them and that are like barely possible or at least possible if I put time in them. So those are my fitness goals. And a few examples would be like running for 12 hours straight without walking. And then at least, I think it was at least 100K running. So three times, two and a half times a marathon without walking. <laughs> and then we try it on some being able to hold my breath for five minutes straight. Some, yeah, do we try it? Um, what else? Being able to do the split um, 
like basically like a gymnast, like being as flexible, or at least being able to do the split, side split, like all those cool, cool moves. <laughs> and the list has like 10 items on that, but I'm working towards all of them. And they are making me really excited about where I can be before I'm 35. Because I know that after 35, 40, it'll probably go <laughs> downhill. I've got opinions on that from my background as a physiotherapist is that you probably lack the potential of a 18 or 22 year old when you're when you're 40. But most people give up really, really easily. They're like, oh, it's old age. But it's not old age. It's because you stop training. Like you think about athletes like Tom Brady. Tom Brady is like one of the greatest football players of all time. And I don't know if he's 41 or 42, but he is just still going strong and putting himself through those rigors. And there's, there's examples of, yeah, professional sportsmen all around who, yeah, maybe aren't, aren't quite as, as, quite as physically capable as when they were 18, but who are still performing really well in their, in their late 30s. So I think a lot of people sell themselves a bit short as they get older. So it's not just a it's not just a young person's game to set these these big physical challenges for yourself. But I'm interested in your in your list. How do you pick the challenges that you want to achieve? Like why were they those ones meaningful to you and others weren't? That's a really deep question. I'm not sure if there's a deeper meaning to that. I think it's it's just because they made me really excited when I thought about it. Mm. Models didn't. So I just went through, what if I could achieve X? Would that make me feel excited? Would I feel really alive if I, I was able to do it? Because again, I totally agree with your example, like you should not limit yourself. But with me downhill, I mean, like after your fourth week, it's, it's probably more maintaining and then slowly it will go become a little less. But yeah, mostly it's just limiting belief because... I think that if you're not playing on the highest level, then even if you're 40 or 45, maybe even 50, there's so much to gain. But I'm talking about like playing at the, trying to play at the highest level of your own potential. But yeah, if you have more examples of people who are 45 or 50 or 55, then I would, all, then I would also have a limiting belief and then I would love to change it. <laughs> Definitely. And I think you're correct in that your potential reduces physically as you get older. But as you're saying, most people, probably 99.9% .9 of people aren't maxing out their physical potential. So there is, there's heaps of room for improvement with and room for challenge from a physical perspective. And thank you for the answer around that, that question as well. And I think you don't need to have a deeper meaning for some of the stuff that you do that sometimes like we, we talked a little bit about self-awareness and it's good to be self-aware because sometimes that will create some deeper meaning for you in, in terms of the challenges that you choose but I was doing a coaching call with a, a client on the weekend and one of the things that was really cool that he said to me he's like my, my girls ride horses and I go along every week so I thought why don't I start to ride horses as well and why don't I go while they're doing it and one of his friends asked him did you have fun and that was kind of an eye-opening moment for him because he was like oh I'm allowed to do things just for fun that you see something like some of the things on your list probably like doing the split or something like that I don't imagine that in the moment running 100 k's in 12 hours without walking is going to be particularly fun but yeah doing stuff like that just working on it for fun 
and and having fun without the the deeper meaning attached to it is is pretty cool. Outside of the physical, what other stuff is on your list? I think there were mostly uh, courses or programs that I wanted to do. <laughs> I guess pretty extensive list, but a few examples would be doing like an advanced medical course. So um, all about first aid. So whenever something happens, whether it's where you live or somewhere in the outdoors, I want to know exactly what I what I can do, even if no help would come. So just being, most of those courses were just about gaining the freedom in my mind that if something were to happen, that it would be the best person to respond to that situation. So also a lot of, a few, um, I forgot the name, I think it's something with seal fit. Um, it's a oh, yeah. course by Mark Divine, uh, also about building mental toughness. And it's they sell it as a pre-program for going to the Navy SEALs. So it's really tough, um, but it's also for civilians. So just looking to see if I can complete that one. So I just have an experience of, well, I've done that. Like I've gone through a similar experience that prepares you at the highest level to play at the highest level, for example, going to parts when you want to become a Navy SEAL. So just doing all the small things that give you, that just make you feel capable as a man and having trust in your own ability. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, it's, that's pretty cool actually that you're, that you're focusing on things that from that awareness is that, Hey, I want to increase my, my competence in life, regardless of, of the situation that's going to going to occur for me. You're talking about mental toughness there as well, Colin, when you're faced with a challenge and when, when things get hard, because like the stuff on your, the, on the list that you're working towards isn't easy. These are pretty challenging things to be able to do. So I'm, I'm assuming that you have times that when you're training that things get hard. What keeps you going in those moments? You mean if, everything got cut off um like if all the small tactics don't work like changing your perception to reality and it just sucks <laughs> like you want to quit yeah that rarely happens yeah again mental toughness you have to build habits to not allow those forces to come in or be able to change them quickly but i think my last survival mechanism would be that if i would not do it i would severely regret it uh, the next day and i think that i would just ask myself the question yeah, Tomorrow, would I feel good about quitting now? And if that would be the case, then I can quit. No, I wouldn't even reframe it. My mindset is, I've got a couple of extreme mindsets. Like the first one is, I'll get this done even if I die doing it. And I truly mean it. Because somehow, once you like fully commit to something, and there's like no reason that you are not going to do it, like even if you die, then pretty much always something shifts inside of your own body and mind. And you will figure out a way to do it. And the other one is what I always tell myself if I want to quit, then I simply tell myself, it's fine if I quit tomorrow, but today I will keep working. Let's say I have to do a task like every day for two hours straight, then I have to keep working today. And if I still have that same feeling tomorrow, then I can quit. But I can't give in to my initial response to quit. Never. So those two mindsets will be my final frontier. Mm. I like those actually, particularly like the second one. Hopefully no one listening to this podcast goes out and dies. Please don't do that. But yeah, the the second one is is really fascinating actually, is that I can quit tomorrow if I still feel this way. 
and we all kind of know that tomorrow never comes. So that's a nice trick to continue on working uh, because when you get to tomorrow, obviously it will now be today. So you'll say the same thing to yourself again as if I feel the same way, I can quit tomorrow. And I think that that's another really important point is that you'll feel different tomorrow to what you felt today is that, that feelings are, are really transient, whether they're those uncomfortable feelings or those feelings of self-doubt or feelings of, of sickness or even feelings of happiness, that if you have a good sleep, if you have a good, uh, good meal, you wake up a different person than you went to bed the day before, which puts you in a different mindset, which allows you to, to do more hard things. And on the topic of sleep, actually, what I want to, to talk to you about, Colin, and we were talking about this just before we started recording, you've recently been experimenting with your sleep. Why did you decide to, to change your sleep patterns? Yeah, first of all, for the listeners, uh, about six days ago, we decided to start sleeping uh, only six hours a night, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. and just see if my body's able to manage it. But the reason was pretty simple. I was sleeping about eight hours a night, and if I can have two more hours every single day, then that's in the next 10 years, that would give me 7,000 more hours to do what I want. And that was pretty appealing to me. Mm. What, are you, what are you filling those two new hours with at the moment? <laughs> because my schedule is pretty busy. Those two hours are my last two hours of today, and they are for complete relaxation. So to actually give myself time to settle down instead of going to bed when I'm still thinking about work. Yeah, so mostly reading and meditating, spending time with my girlfriend, but like truly spending time with my girlfriend, not just watching TV together, but like really being present with each other without any external electronic stimulus. And really, really relaxing. Mm, very cool. Again, I like that concept is that often it is kind of go, go, go from the time you get up to go to until the time you go to bed. What have you noticed in your body over the last six days that you've been doing it? Yeah, first of all, I think six days is way too early to make any conclusions. But the first day was awful. Second day was awful. Third day was better. Fourth day was better. Fifth day, I started feeling pretty sharp. And today, I'm again feeling pretty sharp. Maybe even sharper than I was when I slept more. But I'm still not sure about it. What I also did notice is that my possibly my recovery became less so my muscles are sore after the workout but that can also be because i had two pretty brutal workouts last week so yeah i'm feeling sharp at the moment and my eyes did get really small a few days ago they're starting to get bigger now i'm feeling that i'm adapting and i'm feeling sharper so yeah still too early maybe i'll crash in a couple of days but we'll figure it. We'll see. Mm. And I'm interested. How are you measuring what comes out of this? Like, how do you? How are you measuring? Hey, have I seen an improvement, or is it just the same, or am I getting a little bit worse? I just schedule every part of the day, so I just see how much I get done. And the last six days, I just got more work in because I have more time and I work more efficiently. And I knew that I could have the last two days, uh, two hours of the day, to relax and unwind so i always have something to look forward to even if things i'm doing right now aren't that enjoyable hmm. i'm looking forward to actually hearing how how this goes for you mates and hopefully you don't crash and burn uh, but yeah fill us fill us in i'm sure that the listeners will be uh interested to know as well 
Colin, I have some questions that I like to, to ask everyone uh, during the conversation. The first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? <laughs> Sleeping for six hours. Um, that was the last one. How did I get through it? I, with sleep, I just got through it by, I want to do this for at least 21 days to see if my body's able to adapt. I know I was going to feel bad like the first couple of days. So I already, already visualized what was going to happen, thought about it, went through the same emotions. And then once those experiences happened in the moment itself, I had already gone through them. But it's, it's mostly because I've just built a habit of when I set my mind to something, I will actually go through it. Like even if I die, even if, and I can quit, but then I can quit tomorrow. But that second one, I didn't even give myself the option to quit tomorrow because I had to at least stick with this for the next 21 days. And then I got a big whiteboard and I just have like 21 days and there's a big X uh, once I finish the day. And that's how I'm getting through this one. Mm. And I mean, you, you, you talk about kind of building the, it's really building the habit of sticking with, something not kind of falling by the wayside or stopping part way through do you remember any times where you have given up on something that you regret i've given up on things so many times so so many times uh, i've only been building this habit for the last two three years but i think every time that you give up on something and you know you should have done it you feel you don't feel that well. And sometimes it's really subtle. But every time you want to do something, you give up, it, it chips away at you. So it's eventually making the decision to actually, the decision to actually go for it or become a limited version of yourself who hasn't confidence or trust in his or her own ability. Mm. And I think that's a really important, a couple of really important points that you make there. And I mean, the first one is that you have given up on a lot of things. So, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about mindset and talked a, a lot about sticking to things and working through them and either giving up tomorrow or giving up when you die. But the fact that you have been able to change and train this mindset over a couple of years yeah it's not it's not something that's super fast but altering the way that you think and the way that you operate over a couple of year period in the scheme of your lifetime is really fast and are you seeing a lot more possibilities open up for you because of the way that you're thinking and operating now yeah life just becomes easier when you have confidence in your ability to do something whenever you set something out to do and you actually stick with it gives you pretty confident feeling that's also build right confidence it's a pretty powerful feeling mm, mm. and i think with with people that are just starting out in regards to trying to build that confidence trying to build that self-trust in themselves self-trust in themselves that's that's a bit redundant sorry um trying to build self-trust that starting off with with little things that you commit to and that you complete is much easier than saying I'm going to go out and run for 12 hours and and run 100 kilometers in that time because that's a that's a massive goal compared to where you're at at the moment. It might be, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk around the block 
each day this week and you commit to it, you stick to it and you build from that and potentially in three years time, you're running with Colin 100Ks for 12 hours. Hopefully you've done a bit of training because Colin is pretty fit. But to be fair though, I'm not a long distance runner. I've always been the guy who was fast, but I wasn't able to run long distances. <laughs> I can probably only run 10K at the moment. So it's a long way to go for me, but I'm also not yet training for it. So that's, that also makes a difference. Mm. Colin, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Well, thing also is I don't really see this doing this uncomfortable thing. I see this, I'm doing this exciting thing. This will be fun. This will be exciting. This will be, this will be amazing when I'm working towards this goal and when I actually achieve it. I don't really see this as an uncomfortable thing. What is the next challenging thing that you're going to do then? I don't think I have. I think the next challenging thing that I'm going to do will be next month. And also one of the goals on my list is to climb at a 7A level within a month or see if I'm capable of doing it. So just reaching that 7A level. And I'm not really sure how to compare it, but it's, it's an intermediate level when you are a climber. But it's pretty hard if you haven't climbed before. So just committing to climbing six days a week and just seeing how quickly I can improve. That will be the next challenging thing. Mm, that's a cool challenge, actually. Colin, I mean, we've, we've talked a reasonable amount around this already, but do you have any other strategies that you use when you're approaching uncomfortable or challenging situations? What's your favorite? At the moment, it's, um, it's uh, Shamatha meditation. There are like 10 stages. I've been working on this book for the last year. It's a book by B. Ella Wallace, The Attention Revolution. And he describes a Shamatha meditation, and it's a meditation aimed at making you really focused at one specific thing. So there are nine or ten stages, depending on which views you have. Let's say there are nine stages. Um, if you're not going to do retreats uh, and anything, you will not get past um, stage four. Like you will be stuck at stage three, and that's already if you're really good. So I'll probably at stage two right now, but Stage two is keeping your attention on a specific object for more than 60 seconds straight whenever you want. And then stage three is beyond that. And stage nine is eventually having your attention for four and a half hours straight on one specific thing without any distractions, without any voices coming in your mind saying, I do this, without yeah, just pure focus on one specific task. But at the moment, it's pretty interesting so whenever you have a song stuck in your head i use this to get a song out of my head because i can just tune it out i would just focus on my belly going in and out or the air going into my nose and out through my nose and then just focusing on yeah the feeling of the air going into my nose and out through my nose and i can maintain a focus for let's say for six seconds sometimes less sometimes it's more but that just gets the song out of my head or whenever i don't feel focused i just well i don't really have it anymore that i don't really feel focused because it's a really powerful way to train your attention on uh, a specific thing that you're doing but it does take a lot of time to progress 
just for a bit of clarity, if you're focusing on a sensation in your body, so focusing on that, do you have your eyes open or closed when you do it? They say that you can do whatever you want. Um, I have them usually closed, but sometimes also slightly open so I can see some light around me. The reason that I ask is, I mean, obviously you can stare at an object and try and focus on that for, for 60 seconds. But if you're focusing on that sensation, especially if there's things coming across your, your visual field, well, for me at least, it's much harder not to be distracted in that moment. But that's a, that's a really cool strategy for approaching uncomfortable situations and, and just calming yourself down and, and being able to focus and be present on them. Colin, I've got a couple of last questions for you, mate, before we tie things off. But I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for spending some time with me today and having this conversation. But also thank you for helping people to move towards their potential and improve their, improve their competence for life. Uh, it's very cool, the work that you're doing, mate. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Easy question for you first. People like what they hear about you, like what we've been talking about. Where can they find out more about you? Just at beyondsocialconditioning.com and just fill in a contact form or apply for coaching or just type in my name if you can pronounce it and you can type it out. But Colin Dingelstad, go to LinkedIn and yeah, hit me up, send me a message. See if it works out. I'll put some uh, put some links in the notes as well, uh, so that people who are interested in you uh, can connect. But Colin, final question for you, mate: Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Yeah, focus on breathing in through your nose, into your belly, and out through your nose for seven days straight, especially when you are in a difficult situation. It's mm, a cool challenge, man. Colin Dinglestad, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. It was my pleasure.